Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' three-game series against the New York Yankees. Thanks for listening. Try your best to enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Koopas. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins had four games scheduled. The fourth game was rescheduled due to an incoming tsunami or tornado or some sort of weather event, whatever they have in New York, Dan, I guess. But the three games they did manage to get in, wow, exciting baseball, Dan. The Twins showed themselves to be (laughs) the Twins that we thought they were at the beginning of the season, losing all three, not in very close fashion, Dan Thompson. This felt fitting right i mean this just kind of felt like like we'd had this beautiful honeymoon period where the twins are beating first place teams this felt right uh going to new york and losing three aren't you frustrated that they didn't just play the fourth a little bit i can understand it though i guess i don't know what the weather is like no i just mean like shouldn't they have fit it in like as a doubleheader like it's a hurricane Uh, like you know where it's going you know it's coming that frustrated me a little bit because now the twins got to make this awkward mid home stand one-off trip to New York for a game that's not going to mean anything to the Twins. Like, can they just give the Yankees a forfeit there and stay home and do a couple charity events? Like, (laughs) I think that would be a better use of their time. It probably would be. Or why couldn't you do a doubleheader, like, play the Red Sox and then move over and play the Yankees after? Okay, and again, I agree with, like, those sorts of things. If baseball is going to do the silly doubleheaders whenever they feel like it kind of thing, let's be a little bit more flexible. Why not play, like, when they're in Los Angeles? Can't they play the Dodgers in the day and then the Angels at night? Like, let's, let's make that just go a little faster i just yes that let's be flexible baseball come on i actually heard there was a bobblehead giveaway and that that was maybe one of the reasons is that they didn't want to push in another promotion but come on i do have one other thing uh david yeah because this was a a tough series and we have airtime to fill um so last (laughs) time you mentioned milk right you mentioned not being able to find milk yes yes. wouldn't it be great if like they had an area that was lando lake sponsored right where there was like a bunch of different milks you could have chocolate milk everything like right off the udder kind of thing they could have yeah, a milk yeah. like a milking contest and then they Certainly. could have a big milk jug that like exploded oh, my milk goodness whenever my goodness Dan. whenever there's a home run oh, like wouldn't man. that be great this is starting to be a deep cut. Like, the only people who are going to understand this are people who have listened to virtually every episode. You Dan. walked right into that, too. You didn't know where I was going with that, did you? I knew where you were going no, the whole time. Right. Yes. And I knew from the get-go. Why on earth would you bring the milk up? I was shocked you didn't bring it up last time when I went off on this whole tangent about trying to find milk. I'm like, I'm just waiting for you to say, you know how they would make it easy to find milk? Well, you know, it's funny to me because Tommy, who had who filled in for you once... He was actually upset that I didn't bring it up then, too. So I felt like I needed to bring it back. Anyway, we should go into the series. Let, let's let's talk about the series here. Series recap. Real quick, before we jump in, it should be noted, the Yankees were on a six-game winning streak prior to the Twins coming to town. And for the Yankees, you got to realize, the Twins are virtually a bye. I mean, it, if it was a postseason series, they wouldn't even need to play it. I guess you play the regular season series because the Twins might manage to steal one. Granted, not in this case. 
because the Twins are terrible right now. So the, the Yankees have now extended their winning streak to nine games. To contrast that, Dan, with the bottom of the Eastern Division, the Orioles are on their 18th straight loss, Oof. Dan Thompson. And they have a negative 233 run differential. Which Just, is impressive. Oh my, I mean, They're really. worse at home than they are on the road. I mean, which maybe... <laughs> I mean, the poor guys. I do think that puts in context the Twins' 54 and 70 record, that the Orioles are 38 and 85. Oh, isn't that dreadful? Oh. And they've, they've had so many down years. I feel bad for the Orioles. But yes, I mean, gosh, the Twins just looked outclassed. I, I guess maybe after game one. I mean, game one, the Twins were kind of in this. I mean, not off the get go. It started like every Twins Yankees series yeah. starts here. So the Yankees win this one seven to five. They scored six runs between the third and the fourth inning. The Twins didn't score until the sixth, where they put three on the board with uh, whoever. The person you would expect to supply the Twins offense, Jake Cave, coming through in the clutch here to bring the Twins within striking distance. But like you said, Twins were outclassed from the beginning to the end on this one. Offense, defense, it doesn't matter, Dan. The the Yankees are a much better team than the Twins are right now. Yeah, and I think we'll come back and discuss a little bit more of the minutia of this game later because this was at least a game where the Twins, you know, came to bat with a chance to win it. Um, The other games just didn't really feel like that. You know, Gantt starts, he gets three and a third, four runs, all earned, three hits, one walk, four strikeouts, and then it you know, Coulomb, and then Albers comes in and pitches four more innings there at the end. Um, Albers, a name we hadn't heard in a while, Dan. I assumed it was a different Albers than the Albers who's been with the Twins already twice before. Uh, you would have thought, right? <laughs> but no, there he is. And, uh, you know, good for him. It's an it's a good story. I mean, it's, you know, kind of that journeyman story um, of a guy coming is back. Is it really and, a story, though, if well, he's <laughs> pitching for a team that literally is just trying to find bodies to put out on the mound? Dan? <laughs> I mean, well, it's still, it's still notable that this is his third stint with the Twins. The thing that was frustrating here is that Gant, I had been kind of pushing the last few episodes to give Gant an opportunity to start. It's a bit of a bummer that he had to start against this Yankees lineup that is, I mean, it's kind of comical to look at it compared to the Twins. Even the av- the lineup that they put out, which is not definitely their A1 lineup right now, Gant getting this first opportunity to start, you really would have liked him do better than he did. And then game two didn't get really any better, David. Uh, the Twins- I would argue it got worse, Dan. <laughs> the Twins lose this one 10-2. to Again, the Yankees have a six-run lead. They actually have a seven-to-nothing lead before the Twins get on the board in the sixth. But obviously by then, nobody was paying attention anymore in Minnesota. Uh, they were moving no. on to other things, which is saying something on a Friday night in August. There's not a lot else to move on to. No, and this was uh, this was Barnes getting the start here. Another guy who I'd say is kind of the second tier as far as the young guys who are going to have an opportunity to play next year in the starting rotation. Goes five innings pitched, eight hits, seven runs, all of them earned, five walks, two strikeouts, and a home run because you're playing in New York, Dan. So it's pretty much impossible to have a line that doesn't include a home run if you're a Twins pitcher. No, and then Barraclaw, the former Yankee, I believe, comes yeah, in. Well, and so, yeah. again, another one of these guys who you have to like, I'm as I'm updating the roster, I'm like, when did they make that move? Where'd he come from? What is happening here, Dan? Yeah, it, you were right about kind of eating up innings because they don't have Jay Happ to do that anymore, right? So they needed <laughs> that, to go to somebody else. That's the downfall else. of the Twins here. That's a... that's what was kind of stunning about Matt Shoemaker not getting another chance. Like, surely yes. Matt Shoemaker can come up and do this. Uh, well, but I he, mean, he was just so disgruntled, Dan, that he had to pitch ugh. the Twins' way. So, yeah, the Twins, again, they lose this one 10-2. They don't really get close. There's not a lot to talk about. Donaldson did hit a home run, so that yeah. was nice. He's getting more and more like Sano, where it's like he hits home runs when they just don't matter because he did strike out three times aside from that too yeah. but well, you know, he, the, he hit a home run against the white Sox too that was like okay whatever <laughs> one of those meaningless late inning games yes inning hits. Yeah. i don't have anything more to say about that 
<laughs> I, I don't think there's anything. There's no reason to talk about this game any longer. And then game three, again, felt a lot like game two. The Yankees win this one 7-1. Again, they have a 6 nothing lead. Ugh. I mean, it's just, it was, at least they weren't losing these games in heartbreaking fashion, really. It was just a good old-fashioned walloping at the hands of the New York Yankees. So this was Garrett Cole's start against the Twins. And regardless of whether he was using sticky stuff or not, Dan, apparently against this Twins lineup, he could have he could have had butter on his hands, Dan, and he still would have beaten this <laughs> Twins lineup, I think. Is there any solace in saying, well, it was kind of fun to watch a great pitcher? Like, I, I don't... At what a point, little bit, yes. Because like at least, you know, David Wells once pitched a perfect game against the Twins. And, and there's something about that like, oh, I can appreciate watching a perfect game. I wasn't there for it, unfortunately. Um, yes. But, you know, like I, I can get that. Again, just the third game of a series where the Twins are obviously... I think it was pretty obvious by then they weren't going to play game four. Like, let's just get out of here and and move on to Boston and, and wait out the storm. And maybe nobody in Minnesota will realize we played this series. Right, right. Because they're too, they're paying attention to the headlines about the hurricane. Maybe they forgot that the Twins are now 54 and 70 um, and, and they lost three again to the Yankees. It, it wouldn't hurt as much if it didn't seem like it was always the case. And I was told, Dan, by a reliable source that they were going to play better because there was no pressure on them for this series. <laughs> I just, something... I forget who told me that. I think it was a guy I do a podcast with, actually. I did. Did I say that? I don't know yeah, that. Like I would four have times. Said that. Like four times, you said they were going to do better because there maybe was no not pressure. against the Yankees. They're just staring at those pinstripes, David. <laughs> those right. pinstripes. Can, can we move on to Puckett's picks here and get it over with? Catch them all, Kirby Puckett. Puckett's picks winner. This is a sad one, Dan. The listeners come away with the victory here. Seven points for Polanco. One point for Horizon Kepler. And Dan, this is, it should be noted here. So the listeners get the victory. Can you give us the season stats there, Dan? So David, you still have a lead. You have 15 wins, but the listeners and I are both at 12. So we're still within striking range here with, you know, about a month and a half of baseball left. It should be noted too, that both Dan and I had one point each, Dan with the rise and myself with Kepler. I didn't know how to do this as far as the tiebreak was concerned because neither guy had a home run and both guys had the same number of strikeouts, Dan. So See, this is where what are we what were we gonna do for the last one? Walk off hits? Um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what you were saying so when, well yes, when Polanco for last last episode, that's what you wanted. But no, so what I did is I went back to the prior series and said that the order stays the same. That's fair. I think that's a fair way to say this. Who would have well, thought? Because yeah, it works be in, in your because it works in your order. I will happily take it. Yes. So so that means that I get to pick first then when we come Correct. back to this later. Okay, yes. I'll take that. Beast versus bench is losing fun is losing fun all right so beast versus bench david not a lot to go with here i see we both have the same guy it's it's got to be polanco i suppose is yes. the beast I, I mean i don't know who else you pick i mean maybe donaldson but there's no no one should go away from this series who got the beast moniker being happy with themselves no but i mean at least polanco did have four hits in a three-game series which i I guess is worthy we've had a lot of series lately where we thought there were so many options for beast and obviously that wasn't the case of this one correct it is a bummer because we've had such a fun stretch here well we're again we're talking about a team that isn't going anywhere in the postseason certainly but it was still fun to talk about winning baseball for a change absolutely well bench i there's well, options here yeah this. here you got some options yeah yeah well beast was slim tickens here you had some choices here for bench i'm gonna give it to gordon i think you know i was cutting him quite a bit of slack because he's playing a position he doesn't know he hasn't really been called up before it's his first season really with any sort of significant playing time at the major league level just did not do well oh for three with a strikeout in game one game two oh for three with a strikeout and then game three 
went one for four. So he had one hit, but a strikeout. So it's just one of those things where I get that there's some growing pains here. But Gordon is a guy who, if he's going to factor into the long term, especially with some of the acquisitions that the Twins have made through trades, he's going to have to get a fire lit under him to make sure that he has a spot on this major league team. Yeah, and I, I went with a pitching staff choice here. I went with Gantt. We, we talked about how this was kind of his chance. It was probably the least potent Yankees lineup that he was going to see or that anybody was going to see. And the fact that he can only even get to the fourth, he couldn't get even more than that in a game that the Twins actually did end up having a chance to win by the end. That's, that's why he's on, on my bench. He'll almost certainly get another start, though, now that Maeda is likely going to head to the IL. <laughs> I know, I know there's nobody left. He does. And so giving him a chance against somebody who's not the Yankees, I guess, uh, would be helpful. But at the same time, if the Twins want anybody to be able to pitch well, it's somebody who can pitch well against the Yankees, right? Yes, yes. Well, and legitimately, it's funny to look at this. There is a scenario, Dan, where next season, if the Twins are very aggressive in the offseason, none of the guys who will pitch the next five games for the Twins will start at the beginning of next season for the Twins. Oh, they're so depleted. They're so depleted. It's bad. Um, yes. Let's go on to Rocco. Rocco's Rewind. I'll, I'll talk about this more because it, it really connects to what I talked about last. So, so game one, the Twins are trailing six to five going into the bottom of the eighth inning. And he keeps Albers in there. Yeah. So I would have preferred, and again, I know he doesn't know that the Twins are going to get blown out in the next two games, but this is an opportunity where the Twins actually might be able to win a game here. I wish he would have gone to one of the higher leverage guys. You know, we didn't see Duffy this whole series. We didn't see Thielbar, and we didn't see Colome. And at, at some point, you got to look at it at a 6-5 to five game at Yankee Stadium and think, maybe I can win this game. And especially because you've got Sano coming up. Um, you've got some, you know, you have a chance in the ninth inning. Yes. All you got to do is score one run to tie it. So the fact that he didn't do that, I wish he would have put somebody else in there and given Albers a break because then Albers gives up a run and then it's seven to five and then Sano's home run doesn't matter. And just to keep that in perspective, you are playing the Yankees and you know, whether you believe in this sort of long-term curse for the twins or not, as far as Yankee stadium is concerned, there is something to be said about any game that's close you got to take your chances. You know the usual suspects line here. It's it's scary to shoot at the devil. And what if you miss, right? And again, too, like... Yep, the Yankees it. are the devil, in case you didn't catch There we that. go. Yeah, I get the, I get the <laughs> metaphor. Because um, the Twins are coming into this with some momentum, right? I mean, like, this yes, is the Yankees yeah. game to lose in that sense. And so if you can just put a little bit more pressure on them to be able to hold that down. Anyway, I just, I was disappointed there. What do you have for, for Rocco? So I guess it's something that I've kind of talked about the last couple of episodes, but as far as the catching rotation is concerned, looking back at the game logs, it's looking more and more to me that he's giving Jeffers more work than Garver. I think maybe that means something heading into 2022, but I'm wondering how the rest of the season plays out. So I just want to ask Rocco that question. So it's less about what he did in this series. I just found it interesting that Jeffers continues to see more work than Garver does. So does that mean Garver's not at 100%? Or does that mean the Twins are starting to lose faith that Garver can actually be an effective player? I mean, I think it's you got to give Jeffers a chance here, too. And I think the other part of catching that we don't ever talk about enough as, as, a, as a general fandom of, of baseball is, is the actual catching part, right? Where they're calling yes. pitches and they're playing like that because you hear so much about pitchers who have a certain catcher that they like to catch with. And I just wonder, where are they at that way? Like, is Garver, yeah. does Garver call a good game? Does Jeffers call a better game? Is it as much about getting Jeffers some experience with different pitchers as it is about putting the bat in his hands. 
Well, I mean, that was a conversation always with Joe Maurer and Drew Butera to some extent, right? Because there were some pitchers at that time who wanted Butera behind the plate because they felt he called a better game. He also hit like 150. So I think there's that trade I'm not trying right, to make the Butera. comparison from the offensive side of the ball. And granted, yeah. I'm not, I, you know, I have no love lost for Joe Maurer. But what I have to say about that is that it is possible that even the guy who's less offensively productive as you're saying, can call a better game, and it is noticed specifically by the pitching staff. I think that's why Jason Castro had a job and still has a job. You can yeah. hit 200 as a backup catcher and still have a job because there's more to catch. Well, and yeah, the Twins, that makes you the starter in, in a heartbeat, man. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I guess we can try to go to a Minnesota moment. Minnesota moment. That is the issue, Dan. How do we go to this Minnesota moment? So can I go back to game one again? Because it's all I got, right? Well, I'm going to go to game one too, but sir, you go first. So Miguel Sano, who already had a couple kids, had an, his wife had another child, and then he plays, and he hits a, a home run here. I just think, what a cool moment for that child. Yeah, well, and it's interesting that Sano was put on the paternity list. His absence was actually noticed. For once in, in a long stretch here, Sano's been playing pretty good baseball. So for him to not be on the... Field, it, I actually was like, wait, why isn't Sano starting? I know Astadio was over there at first base after that, but luckily they did only not lost, have a good series. <laughs> no, luckily they lost him for only two games, right? Instead of the three yeah. here, because he'll be back with them in Boston. So, correct. What's your moment? Yeah, so I have to go with Cave's diving catch, which again, I don't know why Cave dives the way he does, Dan, but <laughs> he looks more like me than he does any other position player in baseball diving for a ball it just never looks very graceful like you think about buxton laying out flat for a fly ball and just how how it just looks so rhythmic and methodical and cave cave looks like he he, he was trying to tie his shoe and he fell forward <laughs> like in that process so anyway cave's diving catch was good but what made it even more special was that he hit a home run in his following at bat so it's just fun when guys do that when they make a big play in the outfield and then they manage to come come and uh, continue that success at the plate you know just when you think jake cave is down David. He comes back <laughs> and true. has a great game. If, if you listen to the call, too, it's pretty funny because Bramer is surprised by the home run also. Like more than <laughs> anybody else, I think. He's like, Jake Cave? What? Like, like he gets confused what happened here. Did Cave play for the Yankees at some point, too? I think he did way back when, right? He was in their farm system. I, I think, think he was. I feel like I get the twins get a lot of leftover Yankees. Um, let's look at Maurer's musings. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's musings. I see we're both kind of looking at, at the pitching staff in some sense. So so here is my question to you. And I and I ask this carefully. I'm going to try to word this well because I don't want to become a hypocrite. You're already <laughs> over that line, Dan. I can see the question you're going to ask. <laughs> Given the, the injuries. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck on this I'm one, I'm going to do sir. it. If Given... you think I'm answering this question, you have got another thing coming. All right. Given the injuries to the pitching staff, would would this team have had any hope anyway? Like, like let's assume Barrios is with them. Like, this has the feeling of a team that was going to collapse under its own weight of, of mediocre pitching, regardless of how the season went. Like, in some sense, I think this was doomed by injuries from midseason on, even from the early season on. I just think this team has had too many pitching injuries to be even be sustainable. So I guess I'm confused what you're asking. So are you asking in their recent stretch or you mean from the beginning? Of the I think season? from the beginning, because baseball is so much about who can stay healthy and effective an entire season, right? So do the Twins even have any chance this year about, you know, like Maeda, if he goes on the injured list, he's going to be like the 11th pitcher on the injured list for this team. Like, yeah. is there something wrong with the training staff? Like, why do they have so many injuries? Is that an accident or is yeah, that I something systemic? No, I don't buy that. I always, I think it's one of those things where I don't, 
it's bad luck. There's no way that it's the training staff. I guess if there were, are, maybe there's a bunch of consistent numbers and data that you can show me that certain teams I can't. have less I injuries. I can't show you that. That's the thing. I just don't know that it's it's true. I just think that it's it's sort of luck of the draw in a lot of ways. I don't think that it comes down to to basic strength and conditioning or physical therapists who aren't helping to rehab injuries appropriately. So I we don't, can't, I don't we can't see that point to one person who's not a player no. and say it's their fault that the Twins have eleven pitchers in the pitching on the IL. No, and I think this musing that you've offered, Dan, when you think about it from a from a long term perspective, you're really asking the question of whether they're going to be able to perform next season at any sort of proficiency. I think I might be, David. Thank you. That's a very positive spin on what I wrote down here. Yeah, well, because you're asking, okay, if they have adequate pitching. Well, they don't, and there's not probably going to be too many changes next season outside of maybe signing a shortstop, but I do not see them spending money on any other position players. Maybe Nelson Cruz again if he wants to come back for cheap, but the only thing that this team is, needs to do in the offseason is sign pitching. And honestly, even if they don't sign a shortstop, I don't really care. Even if you put Polanco there, I'm fine with that if you put adequate money into the pitching rotation. So how many pitchers would you say now they need to sign for next season? I'm, you know, like I said last episode, I think that I'm probably, I would, I would be very upset if they only signed two. I think six is what I've said from the get-go, and that, that's probably the most realistic number as far as to really make this team a contender. Assuming you can make trades at the trade deadline to bring in more pitchers, I think four is the number that you need to shoot for. Assuming that you have Maeda and then Jax or Ober. So I need I think you need at least two starters, and one of those needs to be a top-tier guy, and then you need to replenish the bullpen. So I think you need at least four. So you need to have two more starters. Two last episode, David, you said two. You were so. Were convinced. you even listening to my whole explanation just now about how I bit. said at the beginning it was six, and then I said two last episode, and I said that's in like a best case scenario. All right, but I think I think four is good enough to find out if this team can perform with the offensive core that it has. I think six is best, four is adequate, two, I don't even know who you're putting on the mound at that point. Yeah, and I think, and to your Apparently point. Apparently you can only sign an even number pairs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess maybe I would try to sum it up this way. I think there's an element of signing guys and then also just guys staying healthy I, that they didn't yeah. have this season that I wonder if it would be different right now if this Twins team, even like, let's say Randy Dobnak had been healthy. Like, would that have yeah. mattered if he had been no. a stable force <laughs> in this team? It wouldn't have mattered ultimately, but I think they'd have a few more wins if Randy Dobnik had been a regular Ooh. starter in this lineup. Maybe. I mean, even when he was healthy this season, he didn't look good. Anyway, what, what do we? What, we're talking about Randy Dobnik here. What about you? What's your musing? <laughs> Speaking of Randy Dobnik, no, uh, so, yeah, uh, I guess my music is just, I want to see Jackson Ober pitch against the Yankees. I would have liked to see if they could be effective because, again, Barnes isn't a guy who I'm kind of hanging my hat on. I think Jax or Ober is probably your best chance to make the starting rotation out of camp next season. I would have liked to see them against a more high-powered offense um, than what they've pitched against previously. Granted, the White Sox are no slouches. I was going to say, it feels but, like all their starts are against the White Sox this season. So. But so it would be good to see them against a team that hasn't seen them and, and probably has less access or time to put into film on AL Central opponents. All right, David, dare we grade this series? Series grades. I mean, do we have to? It's an F. There's nothing There's nothing that can be taken away from this series that's any form of positive because even the young guys who you want to succeed did terribly. I don't know that I can add anything to that 
Um, <laughs> what, what 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 can you possibly say that that they did terrible? No, it's an F. It's it's again. It's the same old story at Yankee Stadium. At least this time, it doesn't sting with the end of a season playoff sting that it Correct. so often does. Would you have cared so much though if this was the end of the season right now, Dan? Yeah, because I like watching baseball. So I guess I'm glad yeah, the season keeps going. They get to play the Red Sox. It's always fun to watch games at Fenway. That's true. All right. Well, speaking of, let's go to Puckett's picks for that series. And we'll see you tomorrow night. Puckett's picks. Well, so for this series, we actually didn't get a listener pick. There was a little bit of our, there was a little communication error between Dan and myself. And so what we've decided, we've made the executive decision to give the listeners Polanco. And truly, I think we could probably give them Polanco until Buxton comes back. I think we'll, we'll probably be the way that this goes. Yeah, I mean, there's really no other choice, I guess. I'm no. looking at my options here, and we, we've been rotating through, if it feels like Polanco or Rise and Kepler, because there's just In some nobody stretch, else yes. to pick. They're, they're going to play Boston now. All right, well, and so short of any other great options, I guess I'm going to go with Max Kepler. Um, he's got that short right field. He can maybe hit some home runs over there. He's a little bit more of a vet. I'm going to go with Kepler, and then you can't have him. That's true. I will not be able to take Kepler. I'm going to take Donaldson. we got to mix it up. Yeah, we I do thought something. about that, too. That's yeah. not a bad pick. Uh, what is there a good pick though? No, that's the thing. Really it's like not. it's it's really sad when you say normally when you say something's you know not a bad, you're kind of you're trying to imply that it was a good pick, right? Like, oh well, that's not sure. a bad pick. It's like really with the twins, it's like everything's basically a, a shot in the dark here, Dan. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Donaldson. So we want to take one moment for Herbie's headline. We haven't. This has been an irregular segment for us, but something around baseball that's notable, and we have to note. I think any time a guy hits a 500th home run, I think we have to talk about that. Yes, certainly. So this is Miguel Cabrera for the Tigers, longtime Tiger at this point, who will almost certainly finish his career. He hit his 500th home run. I think it makes him the 28th player in baseball history. I remember when Tommy was with the Twins and he hit his 600th, just kind of what a milestone that was. I wasn't at the game. I forget if it was at Target Field or if it was away, but it was just a, a fun thing to watch. I mean, baseball history, and, you know, it's a cliche. We say this all the time, right? But with baseball, there's so much history there, mm -hmm. and it's so different because there's no shot clock. There's no time countdown here. It's a timeless sport, and because of its timelessness, you get these these amazing moments and these historical feats that, Dan, aren't going to happen all that often, especially unless Major League Baseball makes some changes here. Pitching is once again starting to dominate this sport. Mm -hmm. And so how many guys are we going to see years from now who hit that 500 home run mark? Unless there's changes, Dan, I think this is going to be tricky unless unless the MLB pulls a 2019 in several seasons and and <laughs> makes the ball, I don't know, jump a little bit quicker <laughs> off those bats. Well, I'm looking at the list. So Nelson Cruz is the next active player with 443, uh, but Oof. he's 40 years old. So really looking down, I mean... Robinson Cano is on that list, but he's 38. He's at 334 home runs. Giancarlo Stanton, he's probably the next one. He's at 332, and he's only 31 years old. Oh, he's got a chance, though. So I think he's got a chance. Um, so hopefully, I just think these are great moments. I, it's it's kind of like that 3,000th hit, right? I remember when Molitor did that. I remember when Dave yeah. Winfield did that. Uh, those are cool moments. I remember when, when Ichiro Suzuki got that. Um, I love those moments. It just points to that. Uh, wonderful longevity that I saw that we, I think is so cool about baseball. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a good way to, to end an episode, Dan, that, that frankly, neither of us were looking forward to talk about. <laughs> no, I'm going to send us out here. I think you did last time. Folks, if you like what you heard, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Min for the Win. You can find our Min for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you've also subscribed to the podcast so that you are notified when there's new episodes that are available. 
And if you could leave us a rating, that would be great. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins.